Hello, everybody. Welcome back. Welcome back. This is a new episode. Uh, welcome to Hope Lafferty's Existential Crisis, the podcast for creativity and other phenomena. And this is going to be a phenomenal episode, a phenomenological episode, but also a phenomenal episode because we're breaking out the conversation portion of our podcast, ever so promised in episode zero. You are not alone. The debut segment with playwright Renee Calarco. Cannot wait to hear that conversation. Stay tuned. But first, we've got the creativity part. The creativity today is entitled, And the Oscar Goes to. Jackass rock at its finest. No need for alternative life here. We all only occupy the space we do with bouncing molecules, with protons before they explode, and examinations sans stirrups on horseback amid the amber waves of grain as we pull out the stepladder to climb into the SUV with crampons, tampons, and clampons like a B-52 song Fred Schneidering through my clothes hamper. Rhymes of Dr. Seuss-like flimsy trickle before the brook under the bridge, while Anthony and Flea examine the negative space in their legal arguments, and under the sleeves the track marks cry hunger, hunger, like gaping-mouthed baby birds that cannot be fed fast enough by their mother's regurgitations. Up goes the collar as we stare together down the tunnel, clutching each other's hands like here's the church, here's the steeple, Wind exhales colder against our metaphored lives, wishing for Ralph Cranston distractions and finally a good hairbrush. The bore and plastic kind with the wooden handle that all the chicky poos drive with Con Air Force One under the wings of desire. Did Peter Falk have anything to do with the screenplay? Do you think he ever goes back to Onondaga County for his high school reunion from Central? They merged and gerrymandered all the old city districts into four mega houses for various degrees of juvenile detention homes, even though the veterans still convene at the dust-ridden or condo-converted school site, attempting to cast their adolescent memories in a better collective light than they had ever been individually experienced. Upset the diamond and steal third, babe. Forget about the shortstop. He ain't no real threat. Trust your gut. Trust your gut. Go for it before the ump turns around. Now slide, slide. All right, dusty pants. Now who do you expect to clean your uniform? Especially since it's wool and will shrink like Mike TV. Whatever happened to him? Him? Who cares about him? Whatever happened to me? Where's my TV special? Where's my 15 minutes of fame? Where's my chocolate cake? Oh wait, here it is. And does it ever taste good? I had no idea, flourless and pollen-free too. Not homeopathic one bit, but I'll take the salve. 
I'll take the endorphined bliss on this day after I won the Oscar for best foreign film and costume design. Boy, that that uh, that seems to me like the Hope Lafferty's poetry slam period. Wow, lots of tangents there, folks. Boy, I'm hoping that uh, those of you that are writers that use use the creativity part of this uh, podcast as a prompt. <laughs> Some of you might uh, really can you pro- I, I, you know I really kind of want you guys to send me send me your your. Uh, your ideas. That one you could probably turn into the 21st century version of Ulysses. Um, so I encourage you to to play with that um, if you don't want to use any punctuation and just write, write and write and write. Wow, that um, I, you know I'm just kind of getting a kick out of dusty pants. That was that was kind of goofy and funny. Anyway, um, <clears throat> so poetry slam period. Uh, yeah, that is come and gone, I think. I don't know if um, Russell Simmons even has much of a stake anymore, although I'm probably going to hear tweets from people um, at the Hope Crisis, uh, tweets uh, that say, you know, Russell Simmons, how dare you? How dare you say anything negative about Russell Simmons? Okay, sorry. Um, he's a Buddhist. We like the Buddhists, I think. Um, but uh, beyond that, I don't, I don't really have much to say because I really kind of want to move on to the next amazing phase uh, which is which is when I get to you know shut up and uh, ask other people to talk for a while. So uh, let's move on to the next the next segment. You are not alone. Welcome to uh, welcome to uh, this this part of the podcast. This is you are not alone on Hope Lafferty's existential crisis. I am sitting here in the awesomely cool DC basement of my playwriting mentor, Renee Calarco. Renee, say hi to everybody. Hey, everybody. Oh, wow. Look at that. Okay, so the beautiful dulcet tones <laughs> right there of Renee Calarco. Okay, so Renee. As part of you are not alone. This is this is the part. This is the conversation part. I hate to call it an interview part because it's more of a conversation. Right, right, right. So, so the first question I always ask is, I really am very curious about the the circumstances around your birth. Could you talk to you about that a little bit? Yeah. So, my understanding is that uh, my mother was in labor uh, for twenty four hours. I want to say twenty four. Oh, yeah. You're a patient person. I she I <laughs> did not want to come out, I guess. Wow. Uh and I was I'm the oldest. I was a firstborn. So I don't know if that had anything to do uh, with, sure, with it. Sure, right. You're but, kind of breaking it in there. Yeah. Right. <laughs> but <laughs> Wow, I am so callous. It's no. pardon. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> but um yeah, so she uh she was in labor for 24 hours with me. Mhm. And it was not easy, and uh, that is all I know. Okay, but I think I always think it's kind of interesting that there's this uh, reluctance on my little baby self 
to emerge, which uh, I, I don't – I haven't really thought too much about that, honestly. But uh-huh. it, you don't think that's like a setup, like a theme, like a like a personality trait that was in utero that was – no, sorry. No. I mean, no. I mean, maybe. I mean, maybe. Yeah. You know, I, I'm a bit of a late bloomer and yeah. Yeah. take a while to – figure out what it is I'm going to do. So uh-huh. that's part of it. Yeah, it could be. Well, you yeah. knew what was waiting for you out here, right? Right. <laughs> Stay <laughs> in there, baby. <laughs> don't don't even don't even think about wow. Okay. Now, all right. So I have I do have a question. Do you think your mother was one of those women that like swore like a sailor when she was in labor? Probably. Really? Probably. She, oh, she had the be- she, my parents um were in our my dad's still alive. My mom is not. Uh, were championship swearers, swearers, <laughs> very creative. Whoops, um, I'm losing my mic. Sorry, I'm kicking mics now. <laughs> I got so excited about like having champion swearers in my midst. Yeah, go ahead. Really creative. Um, they although they did have their limits. Um, they did not say the f word. Can I say mm. the f word out loud on this podcast? Uh, no, we're trying to keep it a little bit like over- overarching. Oh, People okay. know when you say the, the f word. Yep. Okay. You know, and you know, f is in Frank. Yeah. Everybody wants to like fill that one in, yep. but yeah. So they. <laughs> Never, never went to that extent. But yeah. um, yeah, that, that's a generational thing, I think. I think so. I think so. Yeah. yeah, yeah. People born in the in the depression. Your, your parents were around the depression era, were they? My dad was born the day the stock market crashed. Oh boy, that's fortunate, isn't it? Yeah. Wow. <laughs> and your yeah, and your grandparents had no other children after that. I'm uh, right. <laughs> that was it. Well, <laughs> well my mom, my mom is a bit was a bit younger than my dad, but mm. um, so she, I, I know she didn't remember the depression but my dad sure did yeah sure <clears throat> excuse me yeah okay so yeah so swearers swearers excellent right. at it fantastic yeah wow yeah i would have to say my parents were a little too catholic to like go go overall but you know honestly the catholics i think have a get out of jail free card with that stuff right you know because you can go to confession and just kind of say oh well i swore i probably should have done that more when i was a teenager anyway so okay <laughs> um or you know going to confession or or swear i don't anyway i'm not going to go down that rabbit hole um great Long time coming, as we say. Yeah. You. Okay, so, um, all right, now I'm curious, very curious about the your earliest memory. My earliest memory is of being on a bed as an infant. So I, I was very young. I mean, maybe not an infant, but certainly a baby mm-hmm. on my parents' bed and my mom cutting my nails and singing to me. Um, so she would sing like the, you know, she would sing or she would do like Three Little Pigs, you know, that sort of thing. Yeah, but yeah. I do, like, I do remember that. And I'm I'm sure it was me. You know, maybe, maybe it was one of my younger brothers and I'm kind of remembering it differently. But I'm, I mean, I remember the feel of those little baby clippers. Really? Yeah. So I do remember, th- I remember that. Um there's another one a little later that I remember vividly and I know for sure was me, mm-hmm. was in the apartment where we were living. Um, I think my brother, my next youngest brother was probably either just born or probably just born. And I watched a lot of TV because all kids do and did. And sure. I remember watching probably, I think it was Captain Kangaroo, but... <laughs> Loved Captain Kangaroo. Captain Kangaroo. That's great. Um, but I remember I had Oreos on a plate in front of me. At 8 in the morning. At Like, yeah, probably yeah. 8 in the morning. <clears throat> yeah. Uh, you know. <laughs> okay, yeah, keep going. <laughs> but just these two Oreos on a plate in front of me, and uh, I was just playing with them. I remember pretending that they were dials on some sort of 
machine. Sure, right. Yeah, and maybe I was trying to pretend to like dial up the sound or dial yeah, down the t- tuning something in, right? Because yeah. like everything had all those kind of dials, and yeah. that was perfect size. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I remember that. Oh, that's a cool memory. Yeah. You have such pleasant little early memories. <laughs> they're Those terrible are ones, such, too. But. Well, 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 okay, you're holding off on me. But no, as long as they're not, I just want the earliest one. I mean, you yeah. know, so, so these are, is there an earlier one that's a little less? Um, I remember my, mm. I was, I had to eat Play-Doh because my, did I eat Play-Doh or my brother made me eat Play-Doh? It was kind of unpleasant. Wow. I remember getting my mouth washed off with soap. Okay, how old were you then? Young, like a year or two or three. Probably oh, yeah. cl- around three. Are you probably... A year or two or three. I, yeah, I that... wanted, let's just go with three. Okay. Let's go with three. Okay. And, uh, yeah, so I got my mouth washed off with soap. So you were taking after your parents with, I that, was... with, that, with that filthy mouth. Probably. Or I probably just said <laughs> no, you know, something like oh, that. But, oh. Oh. Uh, what, what, what kind of soap? Safeguard the horriblest, awfulest, disgusting soap that you'd ever put in your mouth. Yeah, you know, I always liked not to put it in my <laughs> mouth, but I, we never got safeguard because that was like that was like a it was a class too high for us or something. You know, like we got the generic, you know, yeah. super cheap, maybe ivory if we were lucky type yeah. type soap. But safeguard, safeguard oh yeah, soap. wow. So you have a very different olfactory memory of safeguard oh. than I do because I really love that soap because oh. it was like exotic. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Okay, safeguard soap. Okay. Yeah, that's that's a pretty crappy first or early memory to yeah. like have soap in your mouth. Yeah. Wow. All right. All right. So here we go. Here's the big the big kahuna. All right. So when you hear existential crisis, Renee, what comes to mind? I think that it's like you're looking you're trying to recapture who you are and why you're supposed to be here. And I never was able to put that into words until, and I'm not, no lie, today, I was reading uh, the end. There's this book, great book called The Art of, uh, excuse me, The War of Art. Yeah. By Stephen Pressfield. I've seen that, The War of Art. It's Mm -hmm. phenomenal. Mm -hmm. And I was nearing the end of the book, and he talks about the ego versus the self, and which is higher, you know, your higher calling is yourself. And he talks about how he thinks that everybody needs to find the reason why they're here. And ego often gets in the way and tells you things like, you know, who do you think you are that you're allowed to be a poet or, you know, must be nice for you to, you know, sit in a room all day and make up stories and, you know, write them down. And so he argues that it are, the reason that we're all here is to find the reason why we're here. Yeah. So I think that existential crisis, I think I think that's what it might be. I think that it's, you know, we're all walking around going, well, now what? What am I supposed to do with myself? Why am I here? Is this it? Mm-hmm. And I wonder if the answer to that question, you know, is this it? Is no, this is not it. If you allow yourself to figure out why it is that you're here and what you're meant to do. You know, whether that's write a poem, have a family, protest, save the world, run for office, be a gardener. You know, it, it, mm-hmm. 
make, you know, make the best pizzas in New Jersey, whatever it is. I want to find that guy. Me too. Or girl, or whoever, whoever's <laughs> making the best pizzas in New Jersey. If you if you make the best pizzas in New Jersey, tweet me at the Hope Crisis, please, because I really want to want a piece of that, as we say. But all right, so you know, I you know, I like this. I like this this line of thinking. Good. I'm very curious about like how how existential crisis has kind of manifested for you or have you been kind of on a well i mean i guess the first one might have been like uh, uh in, in utero right like mm-hmm. just just the equivocation of uh, entering this world um smart baby ooh smart smart baby <laughs> um but i you know tell me tell me about i mean is there anything that that is there is there a period or a moment or a week or was it this morning when you were reading this book? I mean, you know, when, when, what was a big, you know, what was an existential crisis for you that you had to really kind of confront yourself, oh um, or your ego and your and yourself have a face off? Oh my lord! I, it kind of feels to me like a continuum. Like I feel like I'm always trying to figure it out, and uh, I don't know how much family history. You want, but my... I'll, take, I'll take anything. Okay. I mean, you know, this is this is this is this is the you are not alone. So it's all about like there's somebody out there. It's yeah. gonna be like, oh my god, not oh, thank God you said that. So yeah. Um, yeah. So please. Well, I, I again, I come from a line of I don't want to say frustrated artists, but uh, I come from a long line of really good amateur singers, playwrights, um, you know, writers, actors who were really good non-professional and never made the leap to professional never even it never even occurred to a, a lot of my ancestors um to that it was a, a way to make a full-time living so my maternal grandfather was a playwright and a songwriter and a director my maternal grandmother was on the local yiddish stage in rochester new york wow um my mother was a really beautiful jazz singer, and uh, the story goes that is that she was supposed to go on the Eddie Fisher show and supposed to like fly out to L.A. and be on the Eddie Fisher show, and she never went. Uh, the story about my playwright director grandfather was that, and you know this is like the Shaggy Dog story, but somebody, a producer, came from New York City and came up to Rochester and said to him, you know, hey, I want to. You need to move down to New York. You know, I want to produce your your plays, or what? I don't even know the, the specifics, but somebody important came and said, you, you know, come to New York. And by then, my mother had been born. He had this really good job, you know, as a foreman in in a factory, and said, no, you know, I can't. I I just can't afford to do it. You know, I I can't take the risk with the family. Mm, sure. So, um, and then on my other side of the family, my father's side. Um, my one of my uncles was a self-taught, incredibly talented artist, visual artist, uh, uh, amateur opera singer. And amateur then, opera singer. Yeah, I, that's just you know. There's so much that goes into that. How can you be amateur at all? You know, open your mouth and that's what comes out. It's like right. you're, you're immediately a professional. <laughs> right, right, right. I could never even come close to you. That's like wow. Yeah. Um, wow. So yeah. So wow. there's it's on both sides, and mm. so. I think that that template was laid down for me pretty early, you know. So I'd always been interested in the theater and the arts. Um, I took music lessons when I was a kid, very bad. Mm. Uh, wanted to be an actor. 
um, did that um, very badly for a while. It sort of took me a while to figure out that I was a playwright yeah. and not an actor. Yeah, join the club. Of course, and, I wasn't debating about being an actor. I was just like not figuring out what I wrote. But that's you. No, it's yeah. it's, it's really it, yeah. I mean, yeah. it's it's crazy. Um, yeah. So. So yeah, I mean, as far as like an existential crisis, like I said, I, 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 I had one big one in college where I was I had gone in as a freshman with this major, with as a theater major, um, and then it just I was not I didn't put my heart into it. I was I was. Not a good actor for a lot of reasons why I'm not a good actor, but one of the reasons is that I just don't get out of my head and do not trust the gut and for a whole host of other reasons why I'm bad at it. Mm. But uh, I was taking these classes and thinking, oh, I don't I don't want to be here in rehearsal. I don't want to study. I don't want to practice. I don't want to learn my lines. And I remember thinking, wow, okay, I I don't know what it is that I want to do. So then I switched to English, far more practical. Mm-hmm. And, sure. Uh, right. Right. <laughs> right. Well, you don't have to, you know, memorize lines right. as much. Right. right. Yeah. So mm. so that was one that comes to mind. College was real mm. tough for me. Mm. Um, and I, I took some time off for a while just to sort of figure things out and, and uh, took classes at community college for a while and then went back and finished and got my degree. Um, so, in in what what did you finally end up with English? With I English, was an English yeah. Degree, yeah, yeah. So reading, not writing. Uh, it was mostly reading, yeah. yeah, and just like and analyzing, you know, writing. Sure. Writing so you can live in your head, right? Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah, totally. Yeah. 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 And then um, I did improv for a long time after I moved to Washington, um, which I I loved and still love, and actually was was good at yeah um it's a heady art it 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 kind of is and it kind of isn't it was yeah. for me it, it was the it was kind of the best of both worlds yeah um and i really loved it and then i went from that to trying real acting you know and going yeah. on auditions and the thing and that's when i just you know it just was not happening and i was like oh right i remember this i'm really bad at this <laughs> i need to stop <laughs> um <laughs> so time to stop wow all right. So, what was the, what was the moment? I guess I'm curious because I always want to know, like, when the brakes get put on. Is it an external breaking? Because you're like, you know, you're going out to auditions. I'm assuming, and you're 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 exposing yourself to these flaws, weaknesses, whatever, mm-hmm. and you feel like this is not something I'm, I can do, mm-hmm. right? Like me riding a unicycle. I don't know that I'm going to ever get there. Right. You know, it's just not really in my in my house. So. Right. Or was it something that was more internal and, you know, it's like, it's like there's, 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 the, there's the outside influences and there's inside influences and when they abut, what, can you give me an example of like when you just kind of said, geez, this is, I am not an actor. It, it was a, it was a building. So yeah. I knew I, I wasn't getting cast in things mm-hmm. and the things that I was getting cast in, um, I was taking a look around and saying like, oh, wow, this, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm not good and none of us are good and this is, this is not good. Oh, yeah. Um, and Do so, you still go through with the performances when you realize that? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. I mean, okay. I was, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, okay. I was in, I was in uh, like enough terrible things <laughs> and I was terrible in enough <laughs> terrible things to realize 
wow, this isn't working. But, I, you know, I kept taking classes yeah. and um, I wasn't getting cast and wasn't getting cast and wasn't getting cast. Um, I had one horrific audition for a theater company that I ended up coming back and working with as a playwright. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was just, it was just an abysmal audition. I could just see their eyes, you know, watching me and going, I'm like, oh, man, I stink. This is terrible. Um, and I just came home and cried and cried and cried and cried and cried. And so it was it was that was one that stands out to me. But it was a continual build. And after I would say probably five years when I wasn't really making any progress and when I realized that I hated being in rehearsal, hated it as an actor, I thought, OK, that's it. I'm done. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of like a race car driver, like disliking driving around in circles. Yeah, you know, I mean, yeah. it's just like you gotta, you gotta love that part of it. You gotta <laughs> you know, love you, it. And, you gotta love that part. And but the funny thing is, as a playwright, I love being in rehearsal. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. And you know, it's almost like you know, I was you know, I have to tell directors, please tell me when I should go away because if it were up to me, I would be here all the time. I just love watching y'all work. Yeah. So. Yeah. Okay. All right. So this this big embracing of of the playwright self. As opposed to the actor ego or whatever, you know, there was an actor self too, but the actor self was was sad. Yes. <laughs> it was a very sad actor self. Very sad. Um, you know, what 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 point in your life was that? Like, how old were you when when you really kind of said, "All right, I've got this, I've got this dharma, I've got this heritage, I've got these boots to fill. I am going to concern it, be an artist, unlike all of my family who were too damn practical and." When when did you really decide that? It was pro- it was before I was forty, but it was still it was probably in my late thirties yeah. when I started writing plays. Um, and I, I'm not saying I knew what I was doing. No, no, I no, didn't. But it's all good. Um, yeah, it's but a process. I, but yeah. I knew I knew that this was how I thought, and I knew that this was my thing. Take it. Yeah. So okay. it was in my thirties, late thirties. All right, late thirties. Yeah. Okay. So existential crises, college, well, birth. Birth can happen. <laughs> Birth is an existential crisis. Um, uh, early memories with the with oh my goodness the the little the little nail clippers, remembering that sensation. That's pretty. That's pretty tactile. That's, that's pretty crazy. awesome. And and then just you know college of course and then late thirties. Yeah. So do you have any any, you know you kind of said, you figured out what an existential crisis was this morning. <laughs> kind of, yeah. Kind of. So it's kind of continual. Yeah. There's, like yeah. you said. So is there anything in your life at this moment that is causing you to question your raison d'etre? Um, I'm just getting older and... Uh, older than what? Uh, right. older, than, older than yesterday? Great. Older than yesterday. Yeah, guess what? Aren't here we, we are. all? Here we are. Right. Um, I'm that, not... old, that old Mitch, Mitch Hebdige uh, joke, it's like, you know, I have a picture of me when I was younger. Well, aren't all your pictures of when you're younger? <laughs> you know. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> um, wow. Yeah, age. Uh, age. Age. I think, just, I think just age and feeling the preciousness of the brevity of what we're given. Um, and again, this was this is not one that is a, a singular event, but more of like a every year that goes by, every year is quicker than the one that went before. Um, yeah. When, when my mother died eight years ago, that was that was obviously that was a huge moment. 
where um, I was just like, all right, now what? Yeah. And you're the only only girl of the of your yeah. your siblings, yeah. Yeah, I'm the oldest, right. and then uh, my brothers Dave and Joe are are younger than me. Yeah, right. So you're the matriarch now. Kinda, yeah. Oh, I like how I got you to like. Oh, oh my God, oh. Talk, there was an ex- <laughs> there, you know live live on live on tape uh, live existential crisis just now, <laughs> calling Renee Calarco the matriarch of her family. Oh my God, I, I really need to be backed up on that one. Wow. Yeah, it's kind of this kind of this continual thing. The the thing that I, I figured back when I was, I had a I had a psych professor explain this to me when I was a kid. Kid, psych professor. Yeah, when I was young in college. When I was in college, and we were talking about uh, how time does seem to accelerate. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's because if you think about it, like when you're a baby, you know, a year is like all of your life, right? right. And now a year is like one fiftieth or something of our lives. So yep. of course time goes faster because it's actually in smaller and smaller increments as we keep as we keep asymptotally going to the top of our life force. Yeah. And hopefully, yeah. So grab it while you can, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Renee Calarco, how uh, how can people find you if they want to say you're the most awesome? I can't believe that you've been away from me for so long. How how can how can how can I know you and support your work and support your art? Um, what how do how do people find you? Uh, well, my website um, is reneecalarco.com. So it's R E N E E. It's all one word, and then Calarco, my last name. So it's C A L A R C O dot com. Uh, I'm on the Instagram. The um, Instagram. I'm on the Instagram, um, Renee Cal. I'm on there, and I've been doing this new little writing project that kind of came out of nowhere called hashtag soul stories s-o-l-e stories and it is literally every work day pretty much every work day i take a very quick and dirty photo of somebody's feet crop it and then write a piece of writing based on it and just throw it up there on on the Instagram. See, so. I, the thing that i love about about the shots that you take is all of the feet are shod <laughs> I, I I really I really appreciate that. <laughs> Boy, thanks thanks for the uh, the the relatively abrupt. That was that was my engineering bad, I have to admit, um, <laughs> because we kind of we kind of got excited towards the end of that, and and then then buzzes started happening. Anyway, so that was Renee Calarco, Renee Calarco, playwright, DC playwright. Um, I I actually use one of her one of her wonderful monologues in one of her wonderful plays um, for my auditions, and and I'll keep you posted on all that stuff works. But uh, Renee, boy, thanks for spending spending such wonderful time being so frank in your uh, in your self-exploration. And I also want to thank her husband, uh, Richard Paul, who very graciously volunteered his studio um, so we could record our conversation live and in person. Um, so, Richard, Renee, you guys uh, really welcomed me into your home. And, and uh, boy, um, it was not, I was not having an existential crisis that night. Well, maybe I was. Uh, it depends on how many glasses of wine I actually had. But at any rate, uh, here we are at the end of our show. I want to uh, thank our mix master, Andy Schneider, again for queuing up everything and and making everything sound gorgeous and beautiful and well balanced. Uh, and 
I guess I'm thinking about our closing mantra. Aside from thanking all y'all for listening in, if you want to uh, weigh in on Renee's wonderful work, if you want to rate, weigh in on my uh, work, uh, feel free to tweet me at The Hope Crisis. And otherwise, you can look for any number of ways to find me, I guess, on Facebook and on uh, on Twitter. So uh, I look forward to hearing from you there. But for today's uh, today's closing mantra... I want you to ask yourself, uh, do your ego and yourself have regular face-offs? Answer that question. Tweet me at The Hope Crisis if the answer is yes or if the answer is no. If the answer is no, I want to know your secret because I always want to know how people get by without scratching their heads or some other part. Look after yourselves, people. Till next time.